Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see all of your faces here, and welcome to those of you that are on uh, Facebook and on different forms of social media. Glad to see you out there and know that you're out there sharing with us as well. Um, I do want to um, also ask us to keep in our prayers, please, the people of the, you know, the Carolinas and Florida, this, this hurricane is bearing down on them, and even though it's kind of transitioned to a tropical storm, they say it'll probably go back to a hurricane. So I just want to be mindful. Um, some of you out there may be watching right now. We just want to let you know that we are thinking about you and praying peace over the waters that you would be spared as well. Um, my name is Jacqueline Snape. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life. If this is the first or second time that you're joining us online, um, thank you for joining us. Uh, our pastor, Pastor Rich, and his wife Rosie and their children are on a much-needed vacation, and so please keep them in your prayers um, as you go through these days and weeks ahead. They'll be back in a couple of weeks. So we've been on a series over the past couple of weeks on the church. Um, And we've been looking at six different metaphors. We're going to be looking at some more. We're looking at six different metaphors to help us understand what the church is according to Scripture, how it's being described. Um, And Pastor Rich started us off with the church as family. He talked about the church as family two weeks ago. And then last week, he talked about the church as the body of Christ. And if you've missed those two messages, I want to encourage you, please go back and listen to them um, as well. And today, we're going to be talking about the church as the bride of Christ. The church as the bride of Christ. So the first thing that I want for you to do is think about when I say the word bride, what do you think about? You think about bride, you know, what, what, is that, what does that stir inside of you? Now, maybe you might be thinking about something like this. Beautiful young woman, right? This is certainly a bride. True? But today, we're not really going to be talking about that. That's not exactly where we're going with our scripture. So before we go forward, we're just going to pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Um, And we pray that today that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, and open our ears. Help us to hear what you, Holy Spirit, would say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at the Gospel of John, um, and we're going to start in the second chapter, and we're going to go through a little bit of the uh, wedding at Cana. So we're going to go from verse 1, as you see, to verse 6, so just hang in there with me as I read. Here's the reading of the word. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Nearby, verse 6, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Verse 11, 
What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And then we jump to chapter 3, um, verse 29, where John the Baptist says to the crowd, he says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. Amen. So if you want to know about brides today, if you want to know about anything bridal, where do you go? You go to Kleinfeld, New York City. Some of you know that, and some of you are like, what? So Kleinfeld boasts to be the, the largest selection of bridal gowns anywhere. This is their claim. I don't know if it's true, but this is what they claim. And so if you want to know anything about what brides are interested in, that's the place to go. They're so famous that they actually have a show, and their show is called Say Yes to the Dress. Um, and so the young woman that you saw, Loala, she actually was one of the brides in a special that they had, and she's from the Bronx right here in New York. But the thing is, what we see today and we think of as the bridal or the wedding experience, that's not exactly what the church is being called to look like. That's not exactly what the gospel writer is talking about. Because the church is not an event, it's not a location, it's not a product, and it's not an experience. What the church is, is it's God's passion, his beloved the church is the bride of Christ. In reading the Bible, um, it's really easy to kind of forget who the audience is, right? We know that they're prophetically, that the gospel writers are speaking to us today, but they're also speaking to people of the day. They're speaking to their own crowd. And so this gospel writer is talking to a crowd. It maybe includes some Jews. It may include Greeks, some Christians, some non-Christians, maybe some Romans. Very diverse setting, much like you might find anywhere in New York City, right here in Queens. But one thing everybody knew during that day, had some experience with, was the idea of the wedding feast. Everybody had some knowledge of that. And sometimes I wonder if that's one of the reasons why Jesus did his first miracle at a wedding feast. Because he knows what traditions are. He knows what people experience. He knows how these things bring people together in a community. For us today, we kind of think of weddings as between a bride and a groom, and then the family attends. But that's not exactly how weddings were in those days. The wedding feast was a cultural event. It could go on for days, and it didn't just involve those two people. Marriage was a symbol of continuity. It was expected because families needed to know that their line would continue. It wasn't just an event for a specific family either. It could be just for the whole community. This could be a marking point for the entire community. It had a huge value. Who attended, why they attended, where they sat, what you fed them, what kind of wine was presented. All these things were really important into going into this cultural event. To be a bride was to be a gift to a family. And to receive a bride was to receive the hope of marriage, the hope of children, the hope that your family would continue from generation to generation to generation. It was a large picture, and everybody knew 
the importance of a wedding. But the challenge for us today is that's not necessarily true, right? Being a bride means a lot of things to us today. There are a whole group of us, men specifically, that will never know what it means to be a bride. How could they ever know? Then you have women who have been brides. You have women who haven't been brides. You have women that want to be brides. You have women that don't want to be brides. You have women that have been brides that wish they had never been brides. We have a whole host of identification with that word. And that's why it can feel a little bit stilted, right? A little outdated. What do you mean by the bride of Christ? Why are we talking about this bridal imagery? And then when John the Baptist talks about the bride belongs to the bridegroom, what does that even mean, right? What is this ownership thing? What do you mean she belongs to him? How does that even fit in our context today? We don't even talk like that, right? So what I want us to stay connected to as we talk, and even as you think about this in the days and and, and allow yourself to be um, impacted by this, this verse of scripture, please remember the church is not about being married. The church is not about being single. And the church is not about any individual. The church, the bride of Christ, is a beloved community called to mirror God in the giving and receiving of love for the sake of the world. Let me repeat that. The church, the bride of Christ, is a beloved community called to mirror God in the giving and receiving of love for the sake of the entire world. In his book, The Life of the Beloved, Henry Nouwen, um, he has this beautiful um, portion where he writes about God's heart to his people, the church. And he takes, um, he takes messages that come all through scripture and he kind of contextualizes it and delivers it to us in one, um, in one paragraph. And so some of you, you may just want to close your eyes. These are beautiful words. It's, it's like a personal blessing that can come to you and just allow these words to wash over you. Here's what Nowen says. He says, I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved, on you my favor rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palm of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you. And wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own, and I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, and your spouse, yes, even your child. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will ever separate us. 
we are one. Now that's beautiful, right? It's absolutely gorgeous, and it's true. That's, that's the wonderful thing about it. It's absolutely true. This is exactly how our God sees us. But sometimes we don't experience this in our own personal journey. Some days we really struggle with how God sees us. We are the body of Christ. We are the beloved brides. But sometimes, sometimes we just don't feel beloved. You know, you could be just the, the, the isolation from this pandemic. Maybe it's just getting to you. And maybe you're struggling. And it's really hard. And it's depressing. Maybe as a single person, you're challenged already with meeting people and making relationships. And now all this distancing is just creating another layer to keep you from other people. Or maybe you're a parent and you're just thinking about how in the world am I going to feel safe sending my child to school this fall? What am I going to do? How am I going to go to work? Or maybe you're a teacher or a school administrator or a superintendent or someone, a janitor in a school and you're wondering, I, you're thinking, I love these children, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid for my own health. Or maybe your unemployment just ran out and you're stuck with all this financial uncertainty and you just don't know, what am I supposed to do? How am I the beloved if I'm experiencing all of this despair and all of this fear? Or maybe you've actually lost someone, whether it was to the virus or you just lost someone during this season. And the depression and the sadness seems like it just goes on and on, and you're not quite sure how to get out of the spiral. It's really difficult during these seasons to see ourselves as the beloved. It may be easier to see your neighbor as the beloved. It may be easier to see the people that go to your church as the beloved, your neighbors, but it may really be challenging for you to see yourself as the beloved. And so I think sometimes during these journeys, when it gets tough like that, it's easy to take on these counterfeit identities. We don't do it consciously. We don't even know that we're doing it. We just kind of slip and slide into it. And I'm going to name these two. I'm going to call one the given bride, and then the second one the offered bride. Both are counterfeit identities. In ancient times, and even today, when marriages were tended to be prearranged, it wasn't unusual that a daughter would be betrothed, which was an actual legal promise, to marriage as a child. And so this daughter had no, uh, she had no choice as to who she was going to marry. She had no voice in the matter. She was just expected to do what her family wanted her to do. There were no options. Her life was one of obligation, and her job was to be compliant to her family and do what was in her family's best interest, whether it was in her best interest or not. Her identity goes from being someone in her father's house to someone in her husband's house, and she has no say and no choice and sometimes feels powerless in that moment. For me, I didn't struggle with that exact thing, but I did struggle with this sense of powerlessness. And I'll tell you, during this season with all the racial unrest and with all the, the political just constant back and forth in our country, 
I just got to the point where I just felt like I, I don't have any control. Everything is happening to me and I just can't seem to get a handle on how I can be involved in my own life. I felt like I was just one where everything, it was just coming at me. And I was the given bride with nothing to do, no choice, no options. And when I feel this way, my default is fear, because that's really what it's about. I'm fearful. And so when I'm fearful, I'm going to close myself off. I'm going to keep myself from others. And I'm going to be silent and limit myself, limit my exposure to any further pain. My goal is to limit my exposure to pain. And so the mystic Howard Thurman, he describes this dilemma that I found myself in, and maybe you as well. He calls this the great exposure. And he says this, he says, life is vulnerable. Always there is the exposed flank. We take no stand where fateful issues are at stake because we dare not run the risk of exposure to attack. We escape only to find the life we have protected has slowly and quietly sickened because it was cut off from the nourishment of the great exposure. What Thurman is trying to get at is just what I'm protecting myself from, just when I'm closing myself in, that's exactly when I should be opening myself up. I should be opening myself up to the exposure because in the exposure, that's where God lives. God meets us in that space of vulnerability and he comes to us to show us that we truly are the bride of Christ. We truly are the beloved of Christ. And then when I do let him in, when I open myself up, I have an opportunity for him to transform me, for him to transform my vision, my viewpoint, and even my actions for the sake of the world. I'm not a given bride. I'm not. And then some of us, we default to the other counterfeit identity, and that's the offered bride. The offered bride. An offered bride is a daughter that's offered to someone to fulfill a debt. She's offered to curry favor with someone. As an offered bride, you're just part of a transaction. You're a part of a transaction for the benefit of your father, perhaps your family. As an offered bride, you have no sense of human value, no personhood, no, self of, no sense of lovability. You exist as part of an economic system a token to be bartered, to be sold to the highest bidder, and you feel that nobody cares for you. You're just a commodity. In 2014, Nadia Murad, a 22-year-old Yazidi woman, was taken along with all the women from her village, and they were sold into the ISIS slave trade system. And in her memoir, The Last Girl, she describes part of her experience this way. She says, being bought once as a slave, having your humanity and dignity taken from you was bad enough. And I couldn't stand the thought of being passed from militant to militant, moved from house to house, and maybe even transported across the border into ISIS-held Syria, like an object at the market, 
like a sack of flour in the back of a truck. Now, maybe you don't know what it's like to be sold like that. But some of you do know what it's like to feel that way, to feel like you have no personhood, to have someone imply that you have no personhood, to feel as though you're just a commodity, you're just a widget, you're just a chain in the factory. But the beauty is this. The church is not given. The church is not the given bride because we have free will. We're not forced into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're not bound by the decisions of our family into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the church is not an offer bride, right? We're not being used to fulfill a debt. The debt that needed to be fulfilled was fulfilled by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. There is no other debt. The church, the church of Jesus Christ, is the beloved bride of Christ, and it is chosen. We are chosen. We've been chosen. We've been rescued by the infinite and extravagant love of our Father. That is the fact of our lives. But the question that I have for you is how are you living? In light of that truth, you know that that's true. But how are you actually living? Are you living like a given bride? Do you live like you have no choices and that life is just coming at you? Are you living by family scripts and addictions and habits that you just can't seem to break? Or are you living like an offered bride? Do you feel like you spent your life paying the price for everybody else's mistakes? Do you feel like you're in the bondage because of the decisions of others? John 3.29 indeed says the bride belongs to the bridegroom. But this is the thing about that passage. We belong to Christ as he belongs to the Trinity. It's a free giving. It's not the sinful belonging that we think of today. It's not about control. It's a belonging sealed by the giving and exchanging of love. It's free and it is freeing for us. Revelations 22 and 7 says, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. The first step is to come. Come before the Father. Allow his words of grace and peace to wash over you. Hear that you are the beloved bride of Christ. And so a great opportunity for us today, it's a perfect day for this kind of message because we get to have communion together. We get to share the Lord's table together. And in that, at the Lord's table, we recognize that we're all on the same footing, each and every one of us. We get to come before the table equal. There's not one who's higher. There's not one who's lower. There's not one who has more privilege. There's not one who has less privilege. But before we do have um, communion together, I want to just ask you to take a moment.
Um, and just think about yourself. Think about your life. You know, be honest with yourself. Where have you allowed your thinking to stray from being the beloved bride of Christ? Where have you allowed yourself to see yourself as less than? Where are the times where you just put yourself in these categories of the given bride, the offered bride? What does that look like for you? Just take a couple of moments and think about that. We're going to share the prayer of confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in the newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. You can take out your elements. And we're going to take each one individually. So... um, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take together. And likewise, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood and it's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Communion is a beautiful step because in communion we can always know that Jesus is with us. His promises are not dated. They don't expire. And every time we come to the table, we get to just refresh our minds with the reality of the price that he paid for us, the price that he paid so that we would be the beloved bride of Christ. He didn't pay this price for us to have a secondary life. You, I, we are the beloved bride of Christ. And so what does that look like on a practical level? And what are some of the things that maybe you can do to help your mind stay refreshed in that idea? 
I think for me, um, the first thing for me is always to be in community. You need to be with people that are going to nurture that side of you. You need to be in relationship that, with people that speak life to you. And if you're in relationship with people that are not speaking of you and seeing you as the beloved bride of Christ, then perhaps those are relationships that need to expire and some new relationships need to be established. And the second thing is find opportunities to be in the word where you hear how Jesus sees you, where you hear the truth of scripture about your life and about his love for you. In a couple of weeks, the gospel and identity class starts. It's going to be two weeks. What a wonderful way to just refresh this message in your mind. The Bible tells us that hearing comes from the word of God, right? We don't need to hear it once. We need to continue to hear the same thing so that it literally seeps into every part of our being and that we can live it out because we live it and we know it now is true. So for some of you, that's the next step. Take that course. Hear these words over your life again. And then for some of us, an opportunity comes when we get to give to others. I experienced that. I was able to partner with, with Queen's Power this summer and do something for youth and children in our city, and it made a difference in my life because then I felt like I had options. I did have a voice. I can do something that matters and makes a difference. So maybe you want to partner with community development and find a way to make a difference in the community, whether it be at our health clinic, whether it be distributing food to people, whatever it be, it doesn't have to be a huge project and it doesn't have to be a forever project. But perhaps your step is, let me just become the hands and feet of Jesus and reach out to someone else. Life is not easy. And our Lord has not promised us that it will be easy. But what he has promised us is that he will always be with us, that he will always love us, and we will always be the bride of Christ, the beloved of our Father. So as we close, um, I'm just, I just want to let you know, those of you that are online, that we have our digital lobby that you can take part in and also um, the digital prayer space, the, the virtual prayer space. Some of you just need to stop in there and allow somebody to pray with you in that space. And I want to uh, shout out two um, different groups of people. We have a text line, Say Yes to Jesus, um, Yes to Jesus, and it's for people that don't know Christ. We want you to text that number on your screen if you don't know Christ. If you feel like something today has stirred in you a desire to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we want you to text. One of our pastoral staff will get back to you within 24 hours. And then there's a special group of people that I want to speak to, and this group has been on my heart this week, and I believe this applies to someone that's watching us. You might have been brought to church when you were a child. Maybe someone in your family has been bringing you to church, and you just went every week to church, to church, to church, to church, but you never actually made a personal decision to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say to you today, there is no shame. Be bold. Take a step. Text yes to Jesus. Allow yourself 
to join what he has for you. Become who he's fully called you to be, the beloved and part of the bride of Christ. If that's you, don't let today go by. So I'm going to close us all, um, speak a blessing over you. For those of you in the room, I'm just going to ask that you would stay after benediction. I have some further instructions for you. But let's just open our hands so that we um, allow God to cement this word into our hearts and present ourselves before him before we close. So brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the risen Lord Jesus Christ speak to you today, tonight, this week, to confirm in your spirit that you are the beloved bride of Christ, that you are not a given bride, that you are not an offered bride. You are a chosen bride, chosen by your maker, and you are loved forever, fully, totally, and passionately. I bless you all in the strong, beautiful, and loving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.